this is a a lifestyle profession. It's it's not something that um, you really turn off. If you're a professional singer, want to know how to turn singing into a career, or simply love to hear stories from singers on the road, then The Working Singer is the podcast for you. I chat with pro singers about how they make a creative living in the music business, lending their talent to stars like Enrique Iglesias, The Killers, Elvis Costello, and more. They share life lessons, business advice, and how they make a living when they're off the road. We'll also discuss vocal health, technique, performance, coaching, and pretty much all things vocal. Elevate your approach to your singing career, get enlightened about what the pros do, and be inspired with new ideas that you can make your own. My name is Jamila Ford, and this is the Working Singer Podcast. Welcome, 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 everybody. I am so excited that you're here. I really appreciate you joining me today. We have a great guest, my good friend, Catherine Wood of Planet Wood Studio is here. Um, she's a singer, songwriter, producer, and engineer, and just all around fantastic human being. And I wanted to have Catherine on today because I really do like, you know, how she um, kind of thinks about her life and her business. And I know that we are all entrepreneurs, and I know that many of you. Um, are also producers and engineers. And, um, you know, I thought this would be helpful for a lot of you to, uh, you know, hear about Catherine's journey and how she kind of thinks about her career and her life and um, how she kind of uh, just kind of reassesses, um, you know, things about her work every few months. You know, we'll do a pro and con list. So we talk about that. And um, I think it'll be really useful for you, whether you're producing or you're not. You know, I think there's some general um, business things that can apply, some general philosophies that can, you know, um, apply possibly, you know, anywhere in any business that you um, decide to get into. But certainly, you know, in the music business, it is very hard. It can be very difficult to um, kind of uh, get a handle on exactly what it is you um, not only want to do, I don't know if it's so much uh, getting a handle on, on what it is you want to do. At least it wasn't for me. It's, uh, you know, making a consistently uh, good living at what it is you want to do. And I think, um, you know, Catherine has uh, done a great job with that in her life. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear from Catherine. And um, without further ado the fantastic, super intelligent, and wonderful Catherine Wood. Catherine, welcome. I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, I wanted to talk to you today because I think it's such a powerful thing. Just your whole evolution of being singer-songwriter, evolving into, you know, engineering and having your studio the way you have it now, you know, just... Um, I saw you in some of those earlier days and I see where you are now and it's so impressive. And I thought this would be inspiring for my community and um, for our community. And so here we are. Um, but let's start at the beginning. Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? <laughs> um, I, I spent, I guess the most time I was born in Hong Kong, 
um, and spent a lot of time in New Canaan, Connecticut and Colorado. Mm. And I moved down here from Northern California. So I've kind of, I've been all over, yeah. but uh, I would say my, my, most of my family's from Colorado. So even though I'm born in Hong Kong, I think I feel like I'm from Colorado. <laughs> so, how, what happened? How were you born in Hong Kong? How'd that happen? <laughs> yeah, how'd that happen? <laughs> uh, my, my parents uh, met at Levi Strauss in San Francisco mm. and uh, ended up moving overseas just after they were married. And um, they were setting up uh, Southeast Asia for, for Levi's. Mm. And so, you know, business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. yeah yeah and so my brother and I yeah your you and your brother were both born there yeah mm -hmm. and how long did you live there uh, until I was almost almost my sixth birthday oh wow so I got to go to kindergarten there and uh good stuff like that <laughs> did you speak the language at all no not really oh, yeah. I can say like you know Ni hao. It's like, <laughs> I think it's like, how are you? I'm not really sure. Um, yeah. Joe San and Joe Tao are like, good morning and good evening. Although that could be backwards. I, I'm not, I don't really know. I can say, Kung Hei Fa Choi. Oh, what's happening? That's ha Happy New Year. Okay, nice. In uh, Cantonese. So, <laughs> nice. no, I, I don't really know the language. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> then your parents uh, came back to the states when you were six. Where were you guys? Where uh, we were temporarily in Colorado for just a year. Um, my dad was working in New York, and then we we ended up moving. All of us moved uh, to Connecticut for a couple of years, and then back to Colorado. Kind of a ping pong thing happened between. Mm -hmm. uh, Connecticut and Colorado for a couple of years. And then um, for high school, I was in Connecticut and, and they were there for like 10 years. So there was a nice little stretch. Um, my dad was working in New York. So uh, yeah, Just, uh, you know, international business, um, a lot of moving. Yeah. <laughs> So how did music come about for you? Were you um, doing it during those years? Were you singing or? You know, um, I didn't really, I was always visual, visual art oriented. Mm -hmm. And I was, um, I was an art major in college. And, but my, my mom was a music major and like everybody on her side of the family, they're like, you know, studied at Juilliard or like, mm. you know, like heavy um, music people. Mm -hmm. And basically uh, I guess I didn't really get super interested um, in music until college when I really started experimenting a lot more with like playing piano and singing mm. acapella um, and really exploring um that but it was a little bit later <laughs> oh, wow. um yeah and then uh ended up moving down here to LA mm -hmm. um and getting in, um enrolled 
at an audio engineering school and then kind of took off that way with the, hmm. the engineering side. So what did you major in in college? Did you already say that? Uh, uh, art. I was an art major. So painting, sculpture, uh, <laughs> not very practical. They say not very practical. However, uh, you kind of learn, like I was doing like 3D sculpture and I learned that I'm actually really handy. <laughs> like I didn't know that I could, you know, hmm. build stuff. Hmm. And, um, and that's ended up completely translating to engineering. Um, really? I designed my entire studio, including all of the wiring and, um, and the aesthetic and everything. So uh, it kind of does end up translating, but mm. um, yeah, it's a, I actually was a graphic designer before I switched over to audio. So. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so let's see then. How did you, how did you end up um, enrolling in, in uh, engineering school? I basically moved down. I had an opportunity to move down here. A friend was leaving his apartment and I, I had a chance to get signed on to his lease and kind of a um, grandfathering the, the rent it rate in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it was like, you know, a rate from like four years ago. So it was a really good deal. And I, I just moved down here knowing that I wanted to be in music, but I didn't know how, how I would get paid <laughs> doing that. Mm. So uh, I, I kind of discovered, um, I discovered this engineering school, uh, the Los Angeles Recording School, and, um, and ended up attending and then, you know, was off to the races, basically. Mm. Um, yeah, it was a, I, I had like a regular, you know, job when I first got here. And mm. <clears throat> had no idea what like how I was going to get into audio but yeah. um, going to school quickly helped me figure that out oh that's awesome yeah so what uh what did school open up for you what how did it enlighten you in that in, in as far as having a career and all of that sure I um I when I was living in San Francisco and working at an ad agency in their uh, print production department I took the Johnson O'Connor Research Foundation aptitude test mm -hmm. and it basically uh, tests your, you know, what you're born with as far as the, the things you're naturally inclined um, to. And it turned out my, my pitch uh, rhythm and tonal memory were all like off the charts and like I have like no aptitudes anywhere else. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I was like, this makes so much sense now because I'd started writing music at the time and just, it just started like dumping out of me. And I was like, hmm, maybe I should be using my ears. Um, so when I got to, to school, I knew I already had an advantage just with the, the uh, mechanics of, of, I guess, um, my, my aptitudes. Mm -hmm. But when it came to learning, you know, signal flow and other elements, that was also very easy for me. So I ended up Mm. graduating number one in my class and um it was just it was really you know it was an opportunity as an adult to return to school actually very focused mm. and knowing this is exactly what I wanted to be doing even though I didn't know in audio like what path I wanted to take mm. 
Mm -hmm. I just knew I wanted to use my ears and I was very open to um, the, the process and, you know, just kind of absorbing like everything I was learning. And mm. I, I was exposed to audio post-production in school, which I had no idea about mm. um, going into it and ended up um, being approached by a Santa Monica studio that was an audio post house for commercials. And that kind of swept me into the, the professional world quickly. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it, I think, you know, when you're trying to figure out what you want to be doing, I think it's really important to be super open to like the, the, the riding the wave, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like knowing when you're actually riding the wave, like sometimes I think that can be a hard, a hard thing to, to uh, have a, a grasp on you. Cause I think, oftentimes you try so hard, like, am I doing the right thing? Or, you know, there's a lot of like thought involved. Mm -hmm. And, um, so that this was a real process, of, um, kind of letting go and just like, all right, I have an opportunity to be at school. I'm going to figure, figure it out and just see how it goes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. that's, were people that's in your life supportive of that? You know, um, it, it took, at the at the the very very beginning, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I went to my parents and and <laughs> I was like, I've been writing songs. They're like, Honey, do you play an instrument? <laughs> like, I mean, it was that like, you know, and it was like almost like a priori for me. I was like, Well, now I do. Uh, <laughs> it's like sat down at the piano and they're like, What the hell? <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and I'm singing them songs and they're crying. It's like, Aww. but <laughs> it was really a moving kind of. Uh, overall experience at the very very beginning but it was like how do you translate that into like making a living uh, that that was really their you know I mean right. they have a cor corporate background and you know I think it's quite normal um for people to look at another person's situation based on their own experience mm -hmm. <laughs> so they're like how does this add up <laughs> we don't we don't know how <laughs> you know but once uh I found a school that I could go to and then I was doing very well mm -hmm. and then I got a job right out of the gate like it, it wasn't too hard to right sort of uh s sell them I mean they're very supportive people mm -hmm. and you know anyway but um and then as you know as far as friends or anything like that I don't think not sure I ever weighed <laughs> any outside <laughs> mm. um, elements, except that, you know, my, my immediate friends are always supportive of anything <laughs> right. I might like to do, even if it's perhaps crazy, but <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> so what was your, um, your job uh, coming out of school? Where was it? And uh, sure. Like, uh, I, I was uh, at Play Studios in Santa Monica, mm -hmm. and um, it's a commercial, a mix house for commercials. So mm -hmm. they had, um, Apple was a big client, actually so was Microsoft, um, you know, McDonald's, like all the top, top campaigns, the um, the get a Mac campaign, the hi, I'm a Mac, I'm a PC, the ba da 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 Those were so hilarious. We worked on most of those. Um, the original iPod commercials, 
the first iPhone commercial was a thrill. Um, mm. So I was the assistant to both of the engineers. Mm -hmm. So, and then there was a compo on staff composer. It was a team of six of us total. Mm -hmm. um, there were four engineers, one front desk person and one producer who's like the scheduling person. Mm -hmm. And um, three boys, three girls, very balanced, like fun mm -hmm. group of people, all top, top, top um, at what they do. So, mm -hmm. you know, it was, it was really cool. Um, in addition to being the assistant to both uh, engineers, I also ran the dub room which is the machine room that, that joins Studio A and Studio B. Mm -hmm. So uh, all files that came in, you know, loading the files in for sessions, um, doing all of the layback. So taking the audio from the session, putting it back to picture, mm. um, and then also acting as the last eyes and ears uh, before a spot would go to broadcast. So mm. like the commercial would basically you know, the tape would leave my hands and oftentimes go to a motorcycle uh, carrier guy and then it would go to broadcast. So like I'd be at work and then uh, oftentimes something I'd worked on that morning would be airing like at the gym when I'm like working out. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. You know, it's a very immediate, very, very fast uh, yeah. part of the industry. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was a thrill, um, having exposure to that level of, I guess, commercial creativity mm -hmm. and also having an on-staff composer. Um, his studio was actually right next to my room. Uh, I, I listened to him composing constantly. Mm. Um, and that was really valuable in understanding the kind of rhythm of, uh, music for commercials mm. and um, and then also obviously the culture that goes along with that is quite different from other parts of the industry mm -hmm. um, so I didn't I don't, didn't entirely realize actually at the time what uh, a bird's eye view I, I had in a very um, closed area mm. <laughs> I, I didn't really realize that uh, probably as well as I could have at the time mm. but um, I really enjoyed it. So, mm. you know, as far as commercial music goes, I just wanted to like to ask you this quickly. Um, mm. I have heard people say, um, I'll say about well, just people in general, but like some musicians say, you mm. know, when, I, when I've talked about like, uh, you know, um, I've seen friends and you're, yourself included, um, mm -hmm. friends who have been very successful, uh, writing music for commercials you know, or writing for film and TV, but, but specifically commercials, you know, a lot of people, um, and I think that's less now, but I have heard people say, oh, that music is, is corny and all of it is the same, which <laughs> I feel personally, I'm only going to say this because it's your interview, not mine. Um, <laughs> uh, but I will just say, you know, once you start paying attention, um, it doesn't all sound the same. And, right. you know, um, and all of that. So what do you think when, you know, have you heard people say things like that? And, and what do you think of that? Sure. Well, that there was for quite, quite a long time. And I will attribute the trend to, um, I don't know if, if you remember the movie Juno. Oh yeah. But, um, Matteo Messina was the composer on that. And that was 2007. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and there was a quite quite a long run of the jangly guitar uh ukulele mm-hmm. uh that vibe mm-hmm. and i i attribute his work on the juno score and soundtrack to have somewhat inspired this trend of you know when they talk about i mean it became kind of a joke like please no more ukuleles <laughs> like <laughs> You know, um, but it, 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 I think that, uh, in something like advertising, there's a security, um, Mm. you know, going with something that's safe Mm. repeatedly. Um, and I think that's where some of the common sounds come from Mm. and trends. Um, and so that was a particular one that, and it's still happening, to be honest. Like some of my custom jobs, even within the last year, were you know the ukulele female vocal mm. um, type of deal. So <laughs> it's a it's a thing. <laughs> it's definitely a thing. I don't know about boring. Though. I mean, I think um, I think a lot of um, especially production music for television is intentionally. Uh, repetitive and not in the way it's intentionally you know back right um and it's intentionally not it's not supposed to be that interesting because it's not supposed to be distracting right so so there's there's that element that you know might be some something of what you're talking about Mm -hmm. but um but true that's true yeah and then there's probably gonna be voiceover you know exactly and so that's probably to them aside from the visual probably one of the sure. most important things you know yeah. yeah um you know i um i would say apple though you know yeah some of the songs that they choose you know easy peasy yeah yeah um it's usually like they usually choose something pretty hip i think when they're introducing you know yes yes they totally i'm thinking actually the some of the ipod commercials had some really cool um cool mm-hmm. music and um yeah mm-hmm. i i think they they do a good job at uh at at being actually creative as far as um really trying to to match up i mean i still i go back to the get a mac campaign those were brilliant those were funny yeah. and they actually showed you why it's better. <laughs> mm. I don't know if any more, you know, the, like, the, I, th- I feel like the quality of Apple has declined in recent yeah. history, but mm. at the time, you know, I really felt that they were uh, actually kind of accurate representations of, um, you know, like I do fun stuff, like, you know, <laughs> and he's like, and you do pie charts or whatever. <laughs> and, and then like seeing like, what's his name? John Hodgman, like sort of, yeah, I just, they're funny. Like, they're just yeah. super funny. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah. And they had the same music going under them the whole time for, like, gosh, at least tw- 20 minutes. I mean, there are, like, many, many, many of that series. The that uh, series. Yeah. So, so yeah, those, they, they're, they're, uh, masters at uh you know marketing and, and creative for sure putting all that mm-hmm. stuff together 
Um, so then what happened after, uh, after the studio in Santa Monica? How did, yeah. So, so basically to be totally honest, um, <laughs> there's, there's kind of a, a drinking culture in advertising that, um, mm. I, at the end of the day, like <laughs> getting asked what cocktail I wanted at one in the afternoon got to be a little, wow, super old actually. And, um, as much as I appreciated being, uh, you know, having a chance to be at the table, so to speak, I, I just it was just like, I would rather um, explore uh, working for myself and see how that goes. And I started teaching a little bit um, and uh, just kind of exposing myself to other parts of the industry. Mm. Um, but yeah, that was that was just kind of a, um, probably a cultural, the mm. work, work culture became something that I, I didn't want to participate in anymore. Mm. Um, I don't mention that very often, but I figure, you know what, it's, it's worth talking about because, you know, you, you oftentimes hear about the, the music side, you know, music studios and, yeah. you know, certain cultures there and, um, party cultures or whatever. And, mm -hmm. uh, it's um there there is a version of that <laughs> in post-production too so um so i tend to be a little bit square with my studio i'm like no eating in the studio <laughs> like, no, I, don't I have it like how i like it you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely one who you know i um i hadn't said this much but i don't like drinking at my sessions you know I don't uh um I remember a couple of years ago uh I'll just say I went to a studio and and the engineer he offered he's like would you like a beverage something to drink to the to a person who was coming to like overdub some so, a solo instrument I mm -hmm. won't say the instrument um <laughs> and uh because <laughs> it, it wouldn't be hard to figure out at that point but mm. um and then he offered him like vodka or, you know, he had some like hard liquor there. And I was just thinking, shit, I don't <laughs> drinking on my thing. I can't, you know, I can't tell right. what to do, but like we're working and this is not, yeah. I personally don't think it's professional. You know, I know there's this whole sex, drugs, booze, rock and roll thing. Yeah. I think it's like played, you know, I think yeah. just come in and like do the job and then go home, go to the bar, whatever, and then do whatever you want to do. But I think, you know, you need to be professional. I think there's a diminishing return on that type of thing. I think you're delusional when you drink. I think you're doing better than you really are. I think, I think a lot of things. <laughs> you're listening back. You're like, why am I so loud? <laughs> why did I launch into that drinking song? I mean, you know, it's just like... <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, I mean, uh, it's, there's a, you know, a certain element of sociability and, um, you know, events and stuff where, mm -hmm. you know, that's part of it, but I enjoy working, you know, yeah. Uh, with a clean, a clear, clear head. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. But, um, that isn't to say these, I mean, everybody like did a killer job, like the, where I worked at the time, you know, top, top, top in the industry, like it just, it got, um, 
it just got old a little bit. Yeah, I understand. I hear you. <laughs> um, so then you go and you start your own, uh, you start your own business, you start teaching. What was that like sort of in the beginning? How was that transition for you? It was oddly seamless. Like I figured out, <laughs> I figured out, uh, I didn't, you know, me and my forward planning, I didn't actually know what I wanted. I just kind of started saying yes to mm. jobs that were, were coming in and they all, not all, but many of them were mastering jobs. I'm not entirely sure why, but they're, I ended up mastering like, and actually, uh, mixing albums and just kind of getting my feet wet actually on the music side since my you know real background was in audio post which is not music <laughs> um and anything I'd done before that was not not on a computer you know anything with music I'd done prior to school was uh, you know, using an analog board or using, you know, what, what, it wasn't in a, a DAW or Pro Tools. So, um, so I was really kind of familiarizing myself with Pro Tools on the music side. And, um, and that pretty much, I just kind of switched gears into that and uh, haven't looked back. You know, there have been times when either like, things in life got too heavy or I, you know, needed to figure out like a steady job to fig, you know, as I was, um, evolving over time in different apartments and like different, mm. you know, sometimes I, I had better luck with, um, like one of my apartments, I had a room that I could devote, you know, solely to, um, uh, as a studio mm-hmm. and other places when I had like had a roommate or something, it was not quite as easy. So there've mm. been kind of evolutions, ebbs and, <laughs> you know, um, uh, with, with, you know, how it evolved over time. But, um, but yeah, now, gosh, that was like 2007 when I left. So this was like what, 12 years or something. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, but you know, you do what you have to. So, yeah. How did you sort of flow out of those ebbs? Because I know we, you know, we have them in our careers and they kind of get us down. You know, well, um, I guess when, when I got in a, um, in a place where, you know, for instance, I, I was at one point I was working at a, um, um, a, it was a, it was a publisher of business to business publications. So I was a print coordinator. It was a nine to five job. I didn't have to think about anything. Mm. I just, you know, got paid and then could do music outside of that. Mm. Um, and, but I picked something that wasn't too, I picked something I knew I could leave when things got better, you know, mm. um, on the music side. Mm. And, uh, and so I, I, you know, just kind of, um, I'm trying to think of how to explain it though. Cause it's like, I knew that I needed something that was more stable financially at, at certain stretches. Yeah. And, um, but I knew that I also, you know, 
was continuing, you know, working on the weekends and working after work and stuff on music. Um, but I, I would pick things that I knew I could leave. They weren't, you know, like right. new professions or something. Right. Um, and, you know, knowing basically like, okay, I've got my legs under me again. Like I, I can do this. And then you just shove off. <laughs> it's like, mm -hmm. uh, be going out to sea, like, all right, I'm going to go out again and yeah. see if the waves don't completely smush me. <laughs> uh, you know, you're like old man in the sea. <laughs> you know? um, yeah. I, love I, I, I like that. Yeah. You know, it's, it is a matter of like, sometimes you got to go back to shore. Uh, and, you know, but the goal is like to be, you know, who knows? where you'll end up paddling out to. <laughs> mm. um, but, uh, you know, I think there's definitely, especially um, in this, you know, industry in general, there's absolutely no shame in like, you know, getting a job here and there if you need to, or, mm -hmm. I mean, um, if you're working for yourself, it's not like a failure if, if, um, if, you know, it, it's all part of the bigger picture. Right. You know? So, you know, sometimes things are like super busy in the studio and sometimes they're not as busy. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a constantly evolving thing. It did, it has taken a while to um, figure out with the moving parts of the industry, especially right now. Mm -hmm. um, it's been, uh, I mean, with streaming, I mean, I kind of managed to jump into this. <laughs> it's probably one of the weirdest, you know, the, the uh the the finance you know the crash i basically got into this like 2007 8 oh, wow. <laughs> so it's like the worst time to try to do this <laughs> uh, and then also simultaneously you know itunes what you know the whole download phenomenon and then you know sort of collapse of physical product and then now collapse of all of that only streaming you know, and artists not getting paid actually. So budgets have, you know, where people are getting money to um, hire engineers and then the whole cultural trend of people just doing things themselves. Yeah. And, and actually not hiring uh, professionals. It's, it's, it's definitely a much more of a moving target now as mm -hmm. far as knowing who, who's your audience as far as, um, prospective clients and yeah so continuing to be nimble with uh you know um what you offer and um things like that mm. so important important thing what would you say are like the pieces of your um business <laughs> we have to do like you know you've got to have like several offerings i think sure um <laughs> Well, lately, every year I do my pros and cons. I do like, I look at all the jobs I've had that year. Mm -hmm. I look at where they came from. I look at, did I enjoy them? Mm. Um, you know, did, did I get this from whatever, like a, a person, a company, or whatever it is. Um, and then I kind of grade them. And then I figure out, okay, how would I like to move forward? Um, so right now, uh, I've been doing a lot of mastering. Um, I've been 
producing singer-songwriters a little bit, um, mostly for uh, specific like custom projects where I'm actually picking picking the singer-songwriter I want to be working with for a specific job. Um, and then, but also talking to outside singer-songwriters um, about having them come in and record. Mm. And I've started renting the studio out uh, in recent history um, to independent producers and engineers so they can enjoy the space and work in it. And I've got it so that uh, they can just bring their laptop and plug in and use the monitors and use the isolation room. And so that's been uh, a newer development that I'm really enjoying yeah. working with and seeing how other people work. You know, you, as an engineer and producer, you, you often are working by yourself, you know, so you don't, you don't really know other people's process. Um, mm. and so it's been really cool to see how other people do their thing a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, so those those are I would say kind of the the, the main ones right now. Basically, um, custom production, uh, post production in the form of mastering and mm -hmm. renting the studio. But I also obviously, you know, uh, record voiceover for people. You know, like voiceover talent comes in, or mm -hmm. um, you know, editing whatever. I mean. I, I'll say yes. <laughs> I, I can do all of it. So, um, but uh, the only thing that I, I haven't gotten that into, which is which is intriguing right now, is the immersive like Atmos. Um, there's a new deliverable for Netflix and Amazon, the streaming services for their uh, picture delivery. Mm -hmm. um, the sound for picture is now all immersive, which means mm -hmm. it's it's past five point one. It, it, there are all kinds of specifications um, mm. involved with it, which means they need uh, engineers who can um, deliver this. You know, at this point, kind of rare deliverable, and so that, that that's interesting to me, just as a a thing because um it's potentially a steady opportunity since all of their uh back catalog needs to be remixed oh wow uh, in atmos yeah so it's you know I mean, got a lot of catalog my god it's huge They're coming yeah thing like a hundred things every yeah day, I swear. <laughs> exactly yeah. and the cool thing too though is the music side I do some uh, score recording. Um, I guess that's something I've been doing more of, uh, score recording for films, mm. um, which is really fun. But the cool thing about that is it's still stereo. So, <laughs> mm. um, and I mean, I, I enjoy stereo, but uh, I'm intrigued by the, the idea of immersive, um, audio for picture but also music as well mm. as an area that I don't really know much about but curious um so when we met which yeah. I know was a high point in your life um, <laughs> it was <laughs> at um, the karma coffee house yes yeah, so it was the karma coffee house right <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
we were both members of the um, West Coast Songwriters. Yes. And uh, so you were singing and songwriting. Yes. Uh, let's talk about that. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. What time in your life? Where were you with your studio also? Uh, sure. What was that all? Yeah, at the time. Um, I'm thinking I became... I started volunteering with the West Coast Songwriters while I was in engineering school. And there was, um, Mike Fay was the manager at the time. Mm -hmm. And he needed help with the live sound for the pig and whistle. I don't know if you oh, ever. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, we ended up moving to the Karma Coffee House after the pig and whistle went south. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but I started volunteering uh, doing live sound for that. And then ended up um, just continuing to just, you know, volunteer. Mm -hmm. um, and I guess I'd perform sometimes, but, uh, but ended up volunteering and then co-managing. And then once Mike left, um, heading up the Hollywood chapter for the last three years I was involved. I think I was involved for like seven years or something, like wow. a, a minute. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yes, the so the studio at the time, I was working at Play Studios for the first couple of years, and then um, had like apartment, you know, my apartment. I had two apartments after that, and then I moved here to Eagle Rock in two thousand nine, and then okay. the different iterations of of the studio here you've you've also seen i know go, going from the uh, the dining room studio to the, yeah. the living room studio and then right. and then the the uh the the better the better studio but well, it's just gorgeous now by the way um you know i appreciate your, that your you know your uh, background in art and all <laughs> it makes sense i don't i don't i'm not sure that i knew that but mm. your studio is just gorgeous i love it now, I appreciate that, that. A built, um, added on. Uh, yeah, I, I demolished the entire back half of the house and uh, basically rebuilt all of the walls. Um, the isolation room has uh, two walls actually with the air gap, and everything is um, professional uh, material and um, and also just design wise. Uh, I like light, so. Yeah. Uh, any anywhere I have a window, it's like a triple pane window, or um, you know the 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 glass door going outside is like double pane. So it's quite quiet, but it's yeah. not like a dungeonous cave, <laughs> right. um, which I like. And um, I had a company in San Diego that I worked with on the room calculations um, and also some of the design elements as far as like the angle um, above the console. Um, and you know, I mean, I, I'm working with an existing space, so it wasn't like I could go totally, you know, carte blanche, like, yeah, I want it to be exactly this way. But, um, I did have an opportunity to, to, there, there used, there wasn't a door here before. Mm. Um, and there was a window. So I, I swapped the window out for a door mm. <laughs> when I redid the wall. And, um, cause I wanted I wanted it to be separate from my living space so that I can have a life. <laughs> right. 
because when you, you know, have people over <laughs> for dinner and you're welcoming them into your living room with a mixing board, it's just a little, you know, yeah. much as you may remember. So, um, yeah, so that I kind of, I did the best that I could with, with the space and also, um, you know, I mean, materials range, you know, they're, there's a big range in material costs, but um, I, I definitely did the best that I could with with uh, what what I had at the time. So um, yeah, it's it's really worked out, and it's yeah. it's proven to be a, a lot of uh, the bigger you know studios. I mean, they're, they're almost all, all gone. Right. <laughs> um, it's it's really a rare thing now. The brick and mortar studios and proper professional isolation. And that was one of the things that I knew that um, uh, a house setting wouldn't have. Right. And um, so I went ahead and made it commercial grade, knowing that it's going to be more and more rare moving forward. Right. And um, so, and that's proven to be true. That's one of the, the reasons I'm renting it out is because the bedroom producer thing and the you know, people mixing in their bedroom on their laptop has like become like such a thing. Yeah. Um, they don't actually have, many people don't have proper isolation for vocals. Right. And um, so it's, it's something that has worked out as far as anticipating that and then, you know, having it happen. Yeah. Smart. I know. I, I you know, we can do a lot of stuff on our own, but there's, it's that, you know, it's the isolation for audio. I mean, I live on one of the, probably one of the busiest streets. Sure, <laughs> sure, sure. Like, I have to find that sweet hour, you know, yeah. kind of given up, like, uh, as far as, you know, recording my podcast goes, I, you know, it's just like, I have to deal with whatever sure. I, people in the next building decide they're going to be screaming at each other. <laughs> I'm going to have to hit pause. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It, you know what? I mean, it so happens. It's yeah. I mean, it's, uh, there's some things that, I mean, we can't do every single thing on their own. So the fact that you can like anticipate like, okay, what's that going to be? Mm. Is, uh, that's a big thing. You know, what can I offer? What value can I offer there? Well, I, I'm one of my, I volunteer with a lot of different organizations and one of my volunteer Positions is on the advisory committee for the LA Recording School, mm. and I I see the mm. curriculum that they're teaching, mm -hmm. and that you know I've been doing that now I think for six or seven years, so I've been able to actually see where the future of at least education and student you know the next sort of the next wave of engineers mm. what they're getting taught mm. <laughs> and a lot of it does not have anything to do with recording in a quiet environment. Mm. You know, a lot of it's in the box. And um, so re recording real instruments will never go away. Right. <laughs> but uh, so that that's helped me have a little maybe uh, unfair advantage <laughs> in um, having foresight to, um, you know, trends that, I mean, it's hard enough to, to follow anyway, um, mm -hmm. what's happening, <laughs> but, um, when it's your bread and butter, 
you know, recording people. Um, I try to, I try to have my scanners on, you know, <laughs> so that I can provide, you know, something people need. Right. I think that's just the way too. I think, you know, that's what keeps, um, maybe keeps the career fluid, keeps you mm. in the career is being yeah. able to see like where it's going, you know, how do I fit? Where can I offer value? You yes. know, thinking ahead. Um, I see so many musicians um, kind of resign themselves. It's changing. I don't want to change. And then, yeah. you know. <laughs> or, or being like late to the party. Yeah. It's like, dude, you know what? Like, yeah, no, I, I hear you on that. Like there's mm. a whole, there, it used to be that you could be just a mix engineer. Mm. You could just, and, and, you know, there are, I do, <laughs> I do know people who are just a mastering engineer and they work at, you know, companies at, uh, where they, that's all they do all day, but it's so rare, you yeah. know, I mean, <laughs> um, and you know, uh, at least as an independent producer and composer and engineer, you know, you, ha you have to be able to say yes to, um, hopefully things that are really fulfilling and creative and interesting, but, but sometimes it's, it's, you know, just getting paid. Um, but it's, it's all valuable. Yeah. You know, um, one way or another. So part of the deal. Now, did I see right on, uh, on Instagram that you got to, uh, do some, uh, hanging out with Linda Perry? Mm-hmm what happened <laughs> you're so funny gossip uh, <laughs> there was a really cool so part of um my membership as a recording academy you know grammy voting member mm -hmm. i'm i'm part of the producers and engineers wing mm -hmm. and there was this um they did this inaugural uh song craft a craft session at larrabee studios um, that they call follow the song and uh, basically they'd never done it before it was just to kind of invite a very very small number of and when I say small I mean like there were like less than 10 of us mm. from the producers and engineers wing in the in the room mm. for for this particular team so there were three teams um, and basically uh, we showed up and uh, were introduced to the three teams, which were Linda Perry and Ed Cherney were um, team one. So Linda was uh, pr the production side um, and then Ed is the making side. And then um, there was, uh, I'm gonna not pronounce this right, Manny Moroccan, Moroccan? Mm. Um, and, uh, Melee is his name, um, as a team. And then, um, Har Harvey Mason Jr. And I, there were, he was supposed to be paired up with somebody else. And I forget the name of the fellow who stepped in. Um, but they all did an amazing job and basically, um, took one song and, all three teams had the opportunity to rework it in a, essentially a day. Some, some people had done like pre-production the, the week before, which was 
allowed. Mm-hmm. My particular team, um, which you like literally showed up and they're like, who would you like to sit in? You know, who, what, what would you like to participate in? And I'm like, um, <laughs> that's no brainer. <laughs> Put me down for Linda and Ed. Uh, and then you just go into the studio and she had not heard the song before. Mm-hmm. Um, she literally reconfigured the melody, mm. how the lyrics, it was this, um, this song called hero. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the original version, the demo was very pop, um, upbeat, you know, like, I don't need a hero. Like, I just want you to support me kind of mm. like vibe. And she turned it into this, I don't need a hero, like sad. <laughs> um, at the end of it, you actually get that she does need a hero. <laughs> like, it, no. she did, but no. uh, it's the way her twist on it was totally unique. And it was really, really cool to see um, how fluid she is at interpretation mm. and being so raw, like uh, connecting, connecting with melody and mm. lyrics. Um, she's got perfect prosody as far as like the lyrics and melody and harmony. And she taught herself like (laughs) the piece on the spot and is like processing the lyrics on the spot, adjusting the melody on the spot, like the whole, whole thing. So that, um, by the time it got to the mixing, so that was we're only allowed an hour and a half for production Mm, (laughs) hour and a half, uh, and two hours for, um, uh, for mixing. And then, um, it went to Michelle Mancini, um, is the in-house mastering at Larrabee. And so she, we didn't participate in her mastering session, but she did the, um, the mastering and it was really cool to see Linda working with Ed who they I don't think they I'm not sure that they had worked together before so to see them interfacing and and actually coming at it almost in an identical way as far as both of them are very feeling oriented mm-hmm. um, all the decisions that were made were uh, based on feeling Mm. And I, I a hundred percent worked that way. So that was a really cool mm. um, thing to get to experience. And all of us, I mean, the people in my, the other producers and engineers wing people were, you know, like 13 time Grammy nominated people. Like, I'm like, what am I doing here? Mm. Um, it was a, a real honor to, to get to participate and um, kind of be part of the conversation. Mm. And then um, at the end of the day, uh, we got to listen to the three groups, um, versions and they were all drastically different. Mm. Um, and so that was just kind of a cool, um, you know, like one group had gotten, um, Matt Chamberlain, you know, had played drums on one of the versions and he was there in the audience. Like you had, it was in a way it was sort of a, a who's who, um, in town was there and um it was just a really neat experience to get to have so like total kudos to the recording academy because it was it was very 
you know, there aren't a lot of uh, female engineers and female producers. So um, I'm glad that, that I got to participate and, mm-hmm. you know, um, represent. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. What a unique experience. It was cool. Cause I've met her before and, um, and she remembered, she's like, I know you. <laughs> I was like, I was like, yeah, you know, we, we had met, uh, in December at the, uh, SCL holiday party. And, and she's like, I remember, she's like, what's your name? She's like, Melissa. I like, I was like, Catherine. I was like, you just, I was like, just call me Bob. It's so much easier. <laughs> and then, so when we were going around the room, introducing ourselves in, in the studio, she got to me and she's like, Bob, I told you, like, it's, it's that easy. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's awesome. There's that. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, so cool. Um, I think the last thing I want to bring up is, you know, something that, that we, we just talked about a little bit earlier, which was, and it's something that, um, comes up a lot with us as not only like musicians, but singers as well. And for me, you know, I will say, um, I had just done a Facebook live on, on the, the work, the working singer podcast, Facebook group, because I saw mm. somebody ask a question about like, how do you balance, mm. you know, having, um, a day job with pursuing, mm-hmm. um, music and mm-hmm. how do you have energy for it and how do you mm. stay focused and, you know, I will say that when I had one, I was probably, actually, when we met, um, I had one. Mm-hmm. And I, I have to say, like, on one hand, I really enjoyed the structure that it provided because mm-hmm. I got to say, like, it can be a little difficult to be structured <laughs> all on my own. <laughs> you That's know, fair. I have to be on myself, on my game, you know. That's fair, um, yeah. Uh, and for, you know, knowing I was going to be somewhere from eight to five and then knowing I only had so many hours before work and after work to do certain things like helped me, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I'll say that, but also there was a lot of shame, you know, mm-hmm. around not being, not having singing be the only thing I was doing at that moment, not mm-hmm. having singing not be the way I was making my living at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, really only having sort of that model of, I know somebody who says like Beyonce or bust, you know, and not really <laughs> understanding, you know, like how to evolve it and, you know, how to like live within, um, live within that and like plan forward and, you know, all of that. So what do I want to ask you? This is going to come down to a question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm listening. I'm listening. <laughs> but I mean, how would you, uh, I guess, what advice, I guess, what would you give to somebody who's asking, like, how do I maintain my energy? How do I maintain my focus within a day job? I think that passion is a very strong motivator. And I don't, honestly, um, I don't think it's hard to be passionate about something. I mean, I feel like when you're, <laughs> when your ladder is up against the right wall, mm. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Joseph Campbell at all, mm. but um, he talks about uh, having your ladder up against the right wall, meaning if you're, if you're kind of aligned doing the right thing, 
or something that's, you know, something you line up with, um, you're not going to run out of energy for something like that. You know, so like, mm. I find myself, regardless of what's going on, you know, um, sometimes admittedly, <laughs> I have a hard time waking up. Like, mornings and me are like, uh, so, you know, I've had jobs before though, that were like the seven thirty AM, you know, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, if you want to see a painful zombie, like that's me at one of those types of job. like it's, mm -hmm. that's really hard for me. But, um, you know, like today, uh, we've got, uh, we're chatting right now. Yeah. Then I've got, uh, work in the middle. <laughs> yeah. all the way until getting ready for another interview with Greg, which is funny because I'll see you later. I know. <laughs> me. Right. <laughs> I was, do you know Charlotte Gibson? I know that name. Yeah. She's, she's a, a, a wonderful, wonderful singer. Um, and actually wrote the Ellen so song, like the theme song. Right. Her, and she's sings with everybody, but, um, she had just come back from tour and I was visiting with her and I hadn't seen her in a long time. And he swung by also. Mm -hmm. And so we're chatting. He's like, Oh, you know, uh, I'd love to have you on, on my show. And I, I think I mentioned something about, or no, he said, did I know Jamila Ford? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> because he mentioned that you were going to be on. Mm -hmm. And, and then I'm not sure if that, if that got me the gig or <laughs> he was like, Oh my gosh, I'll have you on. And then you guys can overlap. And I was like, okay. So, um, so, but you know, that's later. And then I know I'll come back and keep working probably yeah. on this other thing. You know, um, you have endless energy for things that you're passionate about, I think. And if you, if you're not passionate about it, and if you don't have the energy for it, I would say, take a look at <laughs> the thing you think you're trying to do, you know, because, um, that's the ladder up against the, the right wall, you oh, know? So, um, yeah. yeah, I feel like, uh, I have absolutely for, for projects that I'm passionate about, it doesn't matter to me if I'm exhausted. I mean, you know, I'll have like be in the middle of dinner somewhere and like get a message saying, okay, the files are in. I need these turned around in X number of hours. I'm like, okay, bye. <laughs> like, yeah. Like you, you know, you adjust your, this is a, a lifestyle profession. Yeah. It's, it's not something that, um, you really turn off. Yeah. Um, I would say all of my close friends are involved in the industry in some way one of the reasons I love LA there's a huge sort of support yeah. <laughs> uh, network uh, just by virtue of everybody being in some you know whether it's writing um, you know, screen screenplay whatever I mean the creative uh, the commercial arts here is super strong and um, so everybody understands you know when you have to go do something uh, for work at a strange hour. Yeah. In the, when, when, when you're in the middle of something, um, so people get it, you know. Mm. Um, but yeah, the energy part, uh, I would definitely say, it comes naturally. 
And also if you're taking care of yourself, you know, making sure um, you're working out and doing your shakes or whatever the, (laughs) (laughs) taking your vitamins, um, you know, all that. I, 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 I think of it as like mind, body, spirit, you know, make, make sure you're taking care of, of all of those things. And I think that, you know, if the financial part is, is not happening from the art right now, like it's absolutely, you know, that's, that's part of taking care of yourself is, um, making sure, you know, you you get to eat. (laughs) I mean, honestly, like, uh, that's, that's a thing. Um, eating is a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the, the whole musician and ramen (laughs) scenario and, uh, you know, that's, um, that is not an uncommon story. Mm. Um, and it, and even at the top levels though, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's just something that is an up and down. You're, you are, uh, unemployed when (laughs) you're employed when you're employed and you're not when you're not, you know, it's, Mm. it's, it's just, that's the way it is. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. This was like, this was so fun. I'm so glad we got to talk and you know, I got to know even more about you. (laughs) I appreciate your good questions. Oh, thanks. Um, Where can everybody find you online? Sure. Uh, Instagram, planetwood5163. um, And that's also Twitter, planetwood5163. And then uh, my website is planetwoodstudios.com. And if anybody needs to reach me, uh, info at planetwoodstudios.com will reach me and uh those are the main ones beautiful love it cool (laughs) thank you for for having me and having such a nice thoughtful time oh guys so good you know it's so great to talk to wise friends i think um and i really hope you enjoy that i certainly did um let's get into the singing lessons so number one There's no shame in getting a day job when you need to. Number two, if you're aligned with doing the right thing, you're not going to run out of energy. Number three, make sure you're taking care of mind, body, and spirit. So important, you guys. And I think that, you know, I I love um, Catherine's story. And I think it's just um, another one of those stories where um, we see someone who is just in alignment. They've just gotten in alignment with where their life was going, um, followed those clues that success has left her and, um, and is thriving because of it. I think, you know, um, when we struggle, it's really just when we sort of resist those things that are coming at us, um, or coming to us, um, And, you know, it could have been a situation where she was just like, I want to be, (laughs) you know, some of us when we get into singing, um, do have that that model in our head that, um, you know, it is either superstar or nothing. And it could have very easily been that uh, that Catherine uh, could have been struggling to be, you know, the superstar singer instead of following the clues of, and she never was, but, um, 
uh, instead of following the clues of, you know, um, the aptitude test that she took and, you know, uh, the engineering school and, you know, being really good at that and, you know, just like really exploring all of these facets of her life and um, not resisting any of it, you know, and it's just and that alignment has been able has uh, enabled her to just kind of build this very beautiful life, you know. Um, and I know that that's what we all want for ourselves. And I know that we all, I think, ultimately just want, you know, simple things um, just to be able to like paying our bills, eating <laughs> and maybe taking a vacation every once in a while, you know having a house just you know these are not like lofty goals these are just um just normal things and i think that you know following those clues that we get in our life um following them following up on them showing up for ourselves really taking time to um look at those pros and cons see what was you know what really happened in that situation how could, um, you know, what can I learn there? What can I transform about myself? I think like the, you know, those questions are just like so important to ask and just continue asking along the way. And I, you know, I found for myself that I would, when I've been like the most like stagnant in life, when I haven't had the energy for, you know, doing what I love to do, it's when I haven't been really, you know, asking myself those questions, when I've just been going through the motions, you know, when I haven't really been um, thoughtful about how I'm moving forward. This is when I'm, you know, feeling the less, the least energetic about life, even though I know what it is I want to do, you know, I think we always have to kind of be thinking a little more like robustly about, um, uh, you know, our lives and and how they're going to unfold. And, you know, we don't always know the how, but um, if we're like strong with our why and, you know, we're just kind of looking at that next best action to take, you know, OK, well, this looks good. And, and even though we can't predict what's going to happen, you know, and even though A, B and C happened in the past, if we can, you know, just be, I guess, engaged with ourselves and get into that alignment and just be, um, you know, when I'm most thoughtful about um you know, what happened and what I can really transform by taking that next best action, that's where, you know, things start to open up and blossom for me. Um, And, uh, you know, hopefully that can that can apply to you as well. I think no matter what you're doing, you know. So, you know, let me know what you think about all of this. Um, Give me a shout out at Jamila at JamilaFord.com. That's J-A-M-I-L-A at J-A-M-I-L-A-F-O-R-D.com. You can also hit me up on Instagram at Jamila Ford Music. And you can visit my website at jamilaford.com. What other social medias? Uh, visit us on the Facebook group, um, the Working Singer Podcast Facebook group. You can go um, into your Facebook search, type in the Working Singer Podcast community, ask to join, and we'll let you in. And you can keep up with what we're doing. We have events, and they're a lot of fun, and we're all getting to know each other, and uh, it's been a fabulous, beautiful thing. Um, also, also, please remember to subscribe to the podcast. 
and leave a comment and rating. It does help other people to find the podcast when you do that. All right, guys. So it was so wonderful to talk to you again. And um, really and truly thanks to Catherine for joining us. Such a fun conversation. And as always, guys, I love you. I appreciate you. And I will talk to you next week.